I'm Art Miller. This is Art Class, and it's about to begin. Please take your seat. Welcome to the North Shore Podcast, a podcast about the lovely cities of the North Shore, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, food, and history. My name is Pete, and I'm joined by co-host Lake Forest and North Shore legend Arthur Miller. We all live in the North Shore. Art, how you doing, buddy? I'm just fine, thank you. How are you? Oh, looking good. Always good to have you on the show. Before we start our class, we have a sponsor for the show, Dakota Insurance Group. They've got your back. Why? Because that's what friends are for. Dakota Insurance handles all your residential and commercial insurance needs. Get a quote now at dakotainsurancegroup.com. Okay, everyone, take your seats, fold your hands on top of the desks. Art class is about to begin. Art, what do you have in store for us today? Well, I was going to start out and do a first of what I thought might be a couple of programs about Sheridan Road. Years, a few years ago, I gave a tour to a museum group from Vero Beach, Florida that came to Chicago for a week. And they wanted to spend one day on the North Shore and especially around Lake Forest and Lake Bluff. So I met them downtown at the Four Seasons Hotel. Uh, we took a bus ride from down there uh, into Grant Park and then up um, this, what's now DeSaba Lakeshore Drive to Sheridan Road. And then we followed Sheridan Road all the way up to uh, Lake Forest and Lake Bluff. Lake Bluff goes, actually Sheridan Road, on uh, what's really the North Shore goes through Lake Bluff also up to basically to Great Lakes, you know. But I thought I would start out on this podcast reviewing, looking at basically up through the flat part of the trip, which is up through the lower part of Winnetka and starting out at Grant Park. And I'll just, I'll try to rattle through this and we'll see if I get how far I get. I mean, I get that far. If I don't, we'll have three. Have more classes, more classes, Art. (laughs) More the better. But the idea is that Lake Forest is part of a a system of lake forest, of, of, of lakefront communities that develop north of the loop. And they gradually reached out. The city incorporated them up until around the turn of the century or so, up through Rogers Park. And then after that, they stayed separate. We're not, I'm not going to go into maybe too much theorizing about why it didn't extend further, like New York that took in all of its suburbs in the, around 1900. But here, um, I'm not sure that Mr. Al Capone and a few other people might not have gave people an appreciation for the independence that they had in their little communities. Let me just quickly start out with with, um, some of the key features, really starting out with Lake Forest resident Edward H. Bennett's Grant Park. It was planned originally by him and by uh, Daniel Burnham, who who was the chief editor. They were co-editors of the 1909 plan for for Chicago, but Bennett uh, took over in 1910 the planning part of the practice, and then Burnham died in 1912. So the park was set up by him. Burnham had wanted to put three big buildings in the park, and Montgomery Ward had a hemorrhage of green paint over the whole thing and said, we don't want a bunch of buildings in the park in front of the lakefront. We want to have our buildings on the lake, like his, have a good view. So they fought him in court, and finally, uh, they wanted to put the field museum right in the middle. Well, they did. Instead, they did landfill south of Grant Park um, in the in 1910s, 
And then Grant, and then the Field Museum opened in 1921. So if you start looking north from there and you're going along, um, you end up going up on the drive to uh, Lake Point Tower, which was a 1960s uh, high rise that was built um, kind of in the Mies style. Then you go on and there's Navy Pier attached to it. That's 1916. That's by Lake Forest resident architect uh, Charles Sumner Frost, 1916. Um, they were originally going to have more piers built. There was a municipal pier authority that was going to reach up to maybe five things. But something happened in the Chicago River in 1915. Remember what that is? The Eastland disaster. It went down. It went, it, it went on its side and it killed 800 people in, in that kind of put a damper on the lake boat trip thing, you know? And so one pier turned out to be plenty as far as the boats were concerned. However, Navy Pier had a big career after that of all kinds of different things. But the auditorium that's at the end is one of the gems of Chicago. It's one of the landmarks. Um, it's based on uh, some pre precedents by Palladio, the great 16th century architect, but then as they were expressed in, seven, in, eight, in 1878 at the Paris Exposition that year at the Trocadero. And this is Frost's version of the Trocadero, which was torn down in the 30s, but a, a big auditorium. Going up the Gold Coast, there's the, the Mies van der Rohe buildings at 880 and 860 Lakeshore Drive and 900 910. Um, 900 have darker glass. And that's because five years later, they discovered that it might be nice to have <coughs> air conditioning and tinted glass in glass buildings, but this is pretty much the same idea for both. Then at 999 East Lakeshore Drive, wonderful building, it curves and you become part of the Gold Coast. And those are the fabulous buildings that were built by all the people that had been living in Prairie Avenue, who to get away from the je ne sais quoi odor of the stockyards, built their places right on the lake because the breezes from the lake before air conditioning would fight back the smell of the stockyards. So if you opened your windows, you would just get offshore breezes. You would not get what was um, very memorable to some of the older people that might be listening, uh, like myself, that remember it when the stockyards was still working. Those are, those are big. Um, the Drake Hotel, of course, is there 100 years old at the end of Michigan Avenue. And then Lincoln Park goes along. That's certainly important. And Monroe Harbor, apartment buildings of the 20s and the, up, uh, and the 1950s after that. There was a big gap between the 20s and the 50s. There was a depression. Then there was World War II. There were high taxes until 1962. Um, by the 50s, things were improving. People started to build high rises again. Then if you look over to the other side, over close to the lake going past, you see a big Carillon Tower by Edwin Hill Clark. It's brick, a red, a red brick, dark red brick building, um, tower, Gothic tower. And it's built by Edwin Hill Clark who designed Lake Forest Library and the Senior Center building out at Grove School Campus in Lake Forest. The drive ends at a beach. It, people turn toward inland, but, um, and that's where in 1954, people came out who were coming off of the, the Eden's Expressway, which ended at Peterson Avenue. This is where they got to. There were a bunch of new buildings built there along the drive by the 50, from the 50s and on, on Sheridan Road. 
by the 50s and 60s, uh, especially after air conditioning, interspersed with some great old mansions by people like uh, George Washington Mayer, Flanders and Zimmerman, architects that also worked up our way. Then you come to Loyola University that incorporated the beautiful Art Deco building for uh, Mondelein, which was a girls' school, women's school. And it's a Jesuit institution. It's a fabulous institution. Then beyond it is pretty much a neighborhood that's integrated, like at the University of Chicago's near the lakefront Hyde Park and Kenwood neighborhoods. And in between and along there, there's also at 7415 Sheridan Road, Emil Bach's house, built in 1915, a Frank Lloyd Wright house. It's a treasure that uh, still is there uh, right in the the heart of Rogers Park neighborhood. Rogers Park ends with the Calvary Calvary Cemetery that's in Evanston. And then you turn toward the lake and you run along the lake on the east side of the uh, Evanston Cemetery until you turn back west for a block and then you continue north um, along the, uh, moving along that, that Sheridan Road again. You pick it up. 747 North Sheridan at Clark Park, the first park that's a kind of a, a passive park in, on the lakefront in Evanston is Shaw's House from 1915 for Harry A. Swigert, um, Howard Ventor and Shaw of Market Square. And it was originally on the lake, but there's somebody's built up a house there now too. They sold off the front of the French. But it's for the Clark Park is for the, the Main Street neighborhood. There's a stop at Main Street and Metro. And there's also an, an L stop there. Um, so it's a big neighborhood and it's developed a whole bunch. The house itself is brick Tudor style with a classic segmented arch over the, door, uh, the doorway in limestone. Then at 1201 North Sheridan Road, there's a Prairie School 1912 Spencer and Powers Nathan Williams house. It's well worth looking at, one of the best gems of the prairie style. So two different approaches in that same period to what a house should look like. Um, There's a long lakefront park then before you get to Northwestern University, which then is most of the rest of the way along through Evanston near the lakefront. Um, First, the entry, there's first thing that's straight ahead is the entry to the landfill that was done in the 60s for the campus, you see first the very modern visitor center, and beyond that is the Pickstager Hall and the new business school, the new li- a library that was built in the late 60s. At the corner with uh, Chicago Avenue, after you've jogged a little bit one block, then there's on the left, the 1950s Millar Chapel with beautiful sto- uh, stained glass windows, uh, modern ones, very modern worth it, well explained in a, in, a, in a little handout they give. On the right, uh, north side of the street, there is the 1867 pre-Chicago fire style Randall architect Randall building for Northwestern. It's a little bit like the water tower. It makes you think of the water tower in Chicago. And it's one of the oldest major buildings on the North Shore. It's very impressive. Probably the oldest major building as important as that is. Representing another age of success is around 19, the 1930 Deering Library. The Deering family was part of the International Harvester Trust. And they and Charles, one of the Deerings built a big house called Vizcaya in Florida. But the Deering Library is collegiate Gothic by James Gamble Rogers, who did the Yale campus, um, really spread the collegiate Gothic idea. 
It's a fabulous building at the end of a big lawn. It's really worth seeing. It's a site. Going, continuing along, there's the Garrett Seminary, Methodist Seminary. Hidden in there behind the seminary is a 1916 Shakespeare garden done by Jens Jensen, who did about 40 gardens in Lake Forest, Lake Bluff. Um, and it's kept up and it's worth visiting. It's worth a visit. doesn't cost anything. Looks terrific. It's herbs and things from the Elizabethan period. Then you go by the Tech Institute, which is an important part of Northwestern, and the second uh, replacement patent gym. There was an earlier one by Mayer. And then there's a whole row of um, fraternity houses by Holliburton and Roach, the people who also did uh, Fort Sheridan, same people. And it looks a little bit like Fort Sheridan, actually. Um, and then there's a lighthouse, and then the recently rescued Evanston Arts Center's um, big country house from the 1930s, it's there. Uh, pretty interesting. So that gets us through much of, that's Evanston, just a very quick summary. I hope to go back at some point and talk about the things that you can see along there in more detail. Well, Met then is next. Uh, the Baha'i Temple is a real triumph. It took a lot of years in the 20th, decades of the 20th century, in the early part of the 20th century to complete this Religion, which is trying to combine all religions, got beautiful gardens, fabulous building. Across the street is the site of the former Benjamin Marshall studio. Benjamin Marshall had been the architect for the Drake Hotel, um, the Blackstone Hotel. He had a pretty flamboyant life, and there's been recently a film done about him. Then there's a bridge over the sanitary canal water intake done around, oh, by 1910 it was done, 1909, 1910. And the, the contractor for that project was Mr. Hayworth, who lived here in Lake Forest, James O. Hayworth. And he also was the main contractor for Market Square, the guy that wrote Herd on, Mark, on Howard Van Doren Shaw to make sure he didn't over obsess on the details, you know, and kept the thing going because they had businesses to keep running. But he was a very good contractor. There's a Hayworth building in the loop. Then there's Gilson Park, a uh, nice thing. Then there's a row of mansions along um, there up to no man's land, unincorporated originally, but now part of Wilmette. And there are high rises there, including one purple one by 1960s, Hugza and Hill, who did work in Lake Forest. Boyd Hill did several houses in Lake Forest um, and some of them along Sheridan Road, at least one of them along Sheridan Road. The big thing in the, for, that I, for Lake Foresters to look at is the 1925 Plaza del Lago Shopping Center, 1925. It's 10 years after Market Square, roughly. It's basically, re, it, it takes some of the same ideas and puts them into a kind of an Iberian classic uh, design, but it picks up on various uh, elements, including an escutcheon over the main tower that looks just like Market Square. You can see Market Square when you look at the, the, the old buildings from there. Very classic, shows the success that Shaw's Market Square had all over the country in that period, from California to Florida, Arthur Meisner's Boca Raton, places in Kansas, et cetera. Now, Kenilworth is a quick thing. It's a run through a bunch of mansions, uh, very nice. I'll just mention one at the southeast corner at the stoplight of Kenilworth Avenue. The Hempel Company, which was a big developer in Chicago, this was an untypical, this is a mansion they built in the 1930s. It's stone, slate roof. The landscape was by Charles Wagstaff, who did work in Lake Forest and actually was, I think, the son of the Lake Forest gardener. Studied at the University of Illinois and in 1916 at a special program that they had up here in, 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 in Lake Forest. 
for study. But by 1940s, this was the home of DeWitt O'Keefe, who in, in the early 1930s started out as the second in the office to Leo Burnett, the advertising whiz. He stayed second in command all the way through. Very interesting guy, wonderful book collector. Uh, but that house is, is a notable, worthy house to have there. Uh, something to remember about Kenilworth on, Lake, on Sheridan Road. Winnetka, very briefly, uh, just to look at the, um, going through it for the lower part, um, the mansions along the lake include three that I would highlight. Um, there's one that's um, set close to the lake. Some of the, some bigger ones have grown up since, but Tom Beebe's 1990s Ryan Estate for the head of Aon Corporation. And then there's Ryan Field now at Northwestern. It's a beautiful French chateau uh, right down the lake. It's gorgeous. Tom Beebe did architecture, did work in Lake Forest on the uh, Crabiel Estate, um, Camp Rosemary. He was dean of the Yale Law School. He did the Harold Washington Library in the city. Um, so this is a real gem. Then the former Clement, W. Clement Stone Mansion, Mediterranean red tile roof compound, white building with red roofs on the lake, Huge piece of property by Winnetka standards. W. Clement Stone Jr.'s son lived in Lake Forest in the 1960s. He remodeled the Cudahy Mansion at 830 North Green Bay Road. That remodel is overstating it. He did a little redecorating on the interior mostly. Stone lived there. It then sort of went into decay. And in recent years, Adrian Smith, the Chicago architect, he has fixed that all up, 830 North. Um, Green Bay Road. But this is the same family with a big place in Winnetka. Another thing that would be, reminds people, it's more of almost like a Lake Forest or Lake Bluff looking estate. It was done for a, an investment banker, I think a Goldman Sachs partner, with a long wall in front of it, a stone wall. It's, it's narrow stones that are yellow colored limestone. And it, behind it is a Robert A.M. Stern interpretation of a classic David Adler-like North Shore mansion from the early, and it was built in the early 2000s, but it looks like it's got similarities to a larger version of the Crabtree Farmhouse by David Adler that's up in Lake Bluff on Sheridan Road. It's one of the, it's part of the new classicist movement of around late 90s, early 2000s, up until 2008. So there's three outstanding houses there. Now we'll talk, what I'd like to do is have a different program where I ramble on about in more detail about after you go through that. But remember, Chicago is basically a swamp. It was built, the reason people were attracted to it was it was so swampy that there were parts of it to the west side of Chicago that went underwater in the springtime. And people coming from the St. Lawrence River up, up, up the Lake Michigan could float across in a canoe to the Mississippi River system in the displains and things and work their way down the St. Lawrence, I'm sorry, the Mississippi River to New Orleans. So it was the link, the best link between those two great systems. Chicago benefited from the fact that it was a swamp. Um, it didn't seem like that at first, but that's why people came and made a fortune there. They had to raise the streets. If you're downtown now, and you look at the south, you look at the bank of the Chicago River. And if you've ever gone up and down those stairs, you're four or five stories just to get up to the street. It feels like when you're walking up there, there's a pretty large, I mean, by talking residential stories, but right. there's a number of steps to raise that above that level. So much of Chicago's downtown area 
is pretty much artificial. It's it's a they're buildings on top of buildings, really. Now that started um, in the 1850s, I think, when they started raising the buildings. But otherwise, it wasn't an attract a greatly attractive place to live. A lot of people that came from the east, the New the New Englanders who settled and bought the real estate, they came from hilly parts of New England, the Berkshires. Marshall Field came from the Berkshires, Vermont, New Hampshire, the Hubbards and Holtz that were here in Lake Forest, they came from New Hampshire, Upper New York State, the Farwells, they came from Painted Post, New York. And so they liked hilly areas. So the reason they came out onto the Upper North Shore where the bluffs are like 80 to 100 feet tall at the, at the lake shore was that they liked that irregular terrain, which is what they'd known as as little kids. We're gonna talk about that upper terrain uh, the next time we talk. Gives you an idea of why this is a very cultural rich, culturally rich, architecturally rich and protected area. And especially places like Loyola, Northwestern, those are around those places, you have some great architecture concentrated and they deserve more discussion. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to talk about this again and helping people appreciate that we live in a rich area that's attracting people here. For Lake Forester is both the Schweppe place, which was built by the first president of Marshall Fields after Field himself died in 1906. Mr. Shedd, John G. Shedd, his daughter, Mrs. Schweppe, was the recipient of the house as a gift. So that's recently sold to a family from California. I understand some people from New York have just bought Marshall Field V's, a Howard Van Doren Shaw house that they're going to be uh, living in. It's 110 years old about. And uh, so people are coming here rather than going other places, which kind of reverses the, 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 the Sunbelt story that had been going on for quite a while. And the trouble is the Sunbelt is getting scorched by the sun or flooded out one way or another by hurricanes and things like that, our area is not looking as bad as it was maybe 10 years ago. Understanding the richness of our own area is worth it. And if you haven't made this trip along Sheridan Road recently, it's worth taking a look, seeing how great it really is and how people from out of town think it's a terrific trip. We thank everybody for listening to the North Shore Podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you like to hear about in the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete, and I can be reached at Pete at NorthShorePodcast.com. The link will be in the podcast notes below. On behalf of my co-host, Arthur Miller, we thank you for listening. Our class is now over. Cue the band. Mm-hmm.